Welcome to this talk from the Kanando Zen Meditation Center. Located in Mountain View, California, Kanando's meditation practice is open to the public. For more information or to get in touch with us, you can visit our website at kanando.org. That's K A N N O N D O.org. Good evening. Um, as one of the priests at Canandao, we're all on a rotation and we, have, we get asked to give talks, Dharma talks. So topic of my talk, I was looking for it and I couldn't find it. And then finally, like you know, five this evening, it came to me, the topic would be anger. Let's begin with sincerity. Six months ago, I blew my lid at a Sangha member. And two months ago, I repeated this behavior again with another Sangha member. Who provoked me? What happened? That's not important. Losing my, compo losing my composure is the real hook, line, and sinker in both these situations. So the Canando board took action and relieved me from a whole bunch of my responsibilities. Essentially, they gave me a timeout. I'm thankful to the board for stepping in, allowing me to, allowing me the time and space to deeply look into my behavior. I took responsibility and apologized for my harmful behavior. These two angry incidences put me on the path of discovery. In the past two months, I went to see my body work modality teacher, less I looked up anger from a psychological and Buddhist perspective. My bodywork teacher gave me a shopping list. He said, buy a five pound bag of rice, wrap it up in duct tape, also buy two inch thick, three foot long dowels. Place the duct taped bag of rice on a stool and beat the heck out of it with the dowels. Les's advice was, people who provoke you do it because it's about them and it's not about you. And you still have a long way to go to deepen your understanding. He also advised, when we get angry, we, come back, we become separate from the person who is provoking us. From a developmental, psycho psycho sorry, from a developmental psychology perspective, we get angry when it all gets too much for us, or getting angry is a call for help. Buddhism calls anger, also known as hatred, in addition to greed and delusion, a poison. According to Buddhism, observing injustice, exploitation makes us angry. Either suppressing or acting out on it is not the answer. Pure, awakened, egoless anger provides clarity, allows us to be honest about our own mistakes, not doing harm while encouraging others and ourselves to awaken. Energy of anger is an undeniable part of human nature. We can no more have yes without no than light without dark. I'm very thankful for, the all, for all the wonderful advice that has been given to me in the past two months. Yet, sitting in Zazen, something was constantly arising. 
I recounted all those times in my entire life when I blew my lid. In each of the situations, time and time again, the anger was the same. And I asked myself, why? What is this feeling underneath anger? Once I asked Lass, what is under anger? He took a moment and responded, fear. Development, some developmental psychology would agree with Lass here. There is fear when we sacrifice attachment for authenticity. Attachment provides securities. If we fall, we get picked up. And with attachment, we don't feel abandoned. In therapy, when everything is said and done, it all comes down to two essential questions. Am I enough? Am I loved? Both questions, these, both these questions of uncertainty are deeply concerned concerned with finally pushing off from the shores of familiarity and convenience to ride the waves of chaos, uncertainty, unpredictability, basically life, basically living life with authenticity, or if you may, exquisitely living life without trying to control it. Recent morning Zazen kept on telling me you need to go deeper to find out where the sack of anger that you have been carrying around on your shoulders all your life came from. In the bodywork modality I now practice, practitioners have discovered after work is done on a client, emotions come up to be released. Recently, early morning Zazen took me back to my childhood home in Karachi. Year was 1972, six uniformed Air Force officers marched into the house garden, carrying a casket of my dead uncle who had died in a plane crash. Placing the casket in the living room, they walked away. The entire family sat there mourning my father and mother had just returned from the final diagnosis of English doctors in Britain, saying that my father was going to be physically and mentally disabled for the rest of his life. Sitting with this memory running through my head, I checked in with my emotions to see what was coming up. There was insubstantiality, helplessness, and inadequacy. Once I deeply observed and understood this root emotional cause, which had had a hold on me for a very long time, I was able to drop this sack of anger that had, I had been carrying around and moved on. Sometimes asking the question, who am I really angry helps. It may not be this situation or the person or thing that we're angry at. Holding on to bitter personal anger morphs us into the person that we hate. We end up resisting rather than allowing something new to rise in our lives. Zazen can help us deal with our internal smallness or discontentment if we allow it to. <clears throat> One day, the Buddha was in an assembly when in walked a furious businessman looking for his teenage children. He found his children sitting in meditation with the Buddha. 
To him, these teenage, his teenagers were wasting time meditating when they could be easily engaged in business, making more money, and ensuring their livelihood. Arrogantly thinking he was going to teach Buddha a lesson, he walked up arrogantly to the Buddha. Shaking with anger, he spat on the Buddha's face. Buddha, in return, smiled. His disciples, who had been sitting with him were furious and ready to react, but the calm Buddha's demeanor did not allow him to. When this furious businessman saw that he could not draw any reaction from the people around him, just the Buddha smiling, he thought to himself, if I stay any longer, I will explode. So he walked away. Once at home, he couldn't erase the image of the smiling Buddha from his mind. For the first time in his life, he had met someone who had such an extraordinary reaction to such a disrespectful act that he could not sleep that night. Shivering and shaking, feeling his whole world, whole world had collapsed and his whole body underwent a transformation. So the next day he got up and went to the Buddha's assembly and fell at Buddha's feet and say, saying, please forgive me, I did not know what I was doing. To which the Buddha replied, I cannot excuse you. Everyone, including the Buddha's disciples were shocked. All his life, Buddha had been compassionate, had accepted everyone in his ashram, regardless of their past, and now he could not excuse this businessman. Seeing the shock on everyone's faces, Buddha turned to the businessman <clears throat> and said, why should I excuse you when you have not done anything wrong to this? The businessman replied, yesterday I came to the assembly and in my anger a spat on your face. I am that same person. To this the Buddha replied, <clears throat> that person is not here anymore. If I ever meet that person on whom you spat, I will tell them to excuse you for me too. This person who's right here in this moment is wonderful, who has done nothing wrong. Carrying around furious anger without deep understanding is a form of self-aggrandizement or delusion. When we forgive ourselves and others, we break the continuous mental loop of judging ourselves and others. Taking, the sun, oh, taking off the sunglasses of anger, we get to live fully in the present moment with joy and gratitude. Or as Rumi puts it, goodbyes are only for those who love with their eyes, because for those who love with their heart and soul, there is no such thing as separation. Yes. Would you mind repeating the last sentence? <laughs> sure. So it's from the poet Rumi. Right. Yeah. He says, goodbyes are only for those who love with their eyes, because those who love 
with their heart and soul, there is no such thing as separation. That's very beautiful, but does that go along with the rest of the text? Yes, because the Buddha actually told this man that there is no separation between me and you. He knew that, yeah. I was concentrating on the anger. Yeah, the anger is also a part of us. It never goes away. It's part of our nature. We cannot deny it. Just like we cannot deny the dark or light, you know. Thank you. Thank you. No, I just came up with the heading at five o'clock. Okay. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was like, this was, I had to write one talk and I had to throw that out. And um, then I had to, you know, at the end of that talk, I picked up what were the end, the end of the talk was the beginning of this talk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it just took a lot of writing to, you know, clarify this and, look into things and, yeah. Yes, Dave? Thank you so much, Mom, for your talk. Mm-hmm. Very heartfelt and very, very good talk. Um, there's an old saying, which I'm sure you've heard before, which is that holding on to your anger is like taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. <laughs> Even if we recognize that, letting go of anger in the moment can be a real difficult thing because the anger itself obscures your vision enough that it's very hard for you to let let go. Uh, the best advice I've ever heard about that is that if you're really carrying anger around with you, instead of diving into it, you should sit with it. Yeah. But that's still seems hard to do when you're in a situation that is provoking anger. Yeah. Uh, you can't just sit and say, excuse me a minute while I go meditate. <laughs> so that, that's the conundrum that I always find with this, is that when that anger arises, I mean, it's possible to do that, to just sort of acknowledge the anger, to hold it lightly in your hands and to sit with it without diving into it and losing yourself. In yeah. It. But it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. And there, there are things, what I've come to realize, that it's never that we're angry at this person or this thing. There's something behind that. And I've started focusing on that and I'm looking at this and going, what is going on really? What am I really getting angry at? You know. Yeah. I think the, the story about the Buddha, um, you know, forgiving guys fed him um, was interesting but I'm curious what happens what how you should react when you are like receiving what you consider to be an ongoing injustice which is causing anger to you like what if the guy kept spitting at the Buddha and didn't self-reflect I feel that if you if you don't react to it if you don't put up a fight um, it could just allow people to continue taking advantage Well, there's always an engagement of dialogue that we can do, engaging somebody in dialogue and saying, you know, asking them as to 
what is really going on with them. I think that would be a really good way to start. Because you know, understanding that the other person may have something going on too. Just like I have something going on. I come from a place where I felt very small. This person is feeling certain things too. And when we, even in that moment, when we can see somebody's humanity, you know, um, it's um, just being there with that person can sometimes help while that person's getting angry. So, yeah. So, um, my mother is 93. When she was here, she came all the way from Karachi and I sat with her constantly. And what you're saying is she just kept on getting angry, 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 angry. And what I, what I did was I just kept on sitting with her, just quietly listening to her and whatever she could, whatever fault that she could find, whatever anger there was there, whatever was there from the past, she just tossed it at me and I was like, okay, you know, um, but it was just sitting there with her, you know, and listening to her deeply. You know, bosses, you, you sort of have to listen to because, or somebody who's superior, you can listen to because they are getting angry at you. And if you get angry, you're going to get fired and they're going to remove you. But, you know, family relationships are the hardest to do. I think, I don't know who it is that, um, who said to me once that if you think you're enlightened, go sit with your family and see what happens, you know, because they know each and every, you know, crack that you have and they can, you know, or screw that you have and they can turn it. So I just sat there with my mother and it was just like, and I started to see that, you know, she has had a, a very hard life. Um, and uh, she is a human being in the end. And somebody must have treated her this way. And this is why, you know, she is the way that she is too. You know, there, there was a certain time that she grew up and this was the normality of that time. And she was just throwing all that stuff at me, you know. Oh, this is wrong with this person and that is wrong with that person. And you're not doing this right, you know. Um, you you failed and you, you're, you know, miserable and you're this and you're that and you're fat and you're thin and you're short and you're tall and Everything that she could think, she just threw at me. I was just like, okay, sitting there with her, listening to her, you know, listening to her. And just sometimes just by listening, and I could just tell by the end that she was done and saying all these certain things to me, she, her temperature had come down. You know, the anger temperature was down. So sometimes just being with the person and being able to sit with a person and being able to feel them with their feeling, that can be enough.
you know, if somebody's coming in, like you, this story said that this man sat on, spat on Buddha's face. And if he had kept on spitting on Buddha's face, either somebody would have gotten up and said, okay, sit down, you got to stop. And you know, one of his disciples would have said to him, sit down, you got to stop. But he wouldn't be, have been able to sit down. So he would have still gotten up and left. So, you know, but this is what we do when we get angry. It's like, I think the best thing to do was to say to somebody, you know, stop or, or no. You know, you can say no. You have the right to say no. But... Um, you know, getting angry with when somebody else is getting angry, what you're doing is your sight is starting a loop and that loop just won't go away. You have to get out of that loop. So instead of letting the loop start, you can just sit there and let it happen. You know, why? I think we are taught to get up and control things and stop things. What if we were to just let life happen? This is, everything is not in our control. We went to, um, what was it? Uh, where were we in Santa Cruz for a branching streams conference which, where all the different sanghas of the entire Send uh, United States come by. It was at um, at um, a Christian. Um, Catholic, uh, nuns, which, you know, yeah, Catholic nuns retreat center, and outside was that prayer that Lord give me the you know presence of mind to know what is in my control and what is what is not, and uh, be able to tell the difference between the two. And I was thinking, this is it. This is exactly what it is that sometimes we miss this. That, you know, everything is not in our control. We think we can control if another person is hurling something at us, we can control the other person, yet we have no control. No. So that's how I see it. <laughs> I hope I can, I answered some part of your question. Yes. I can offer yeah. uh, another point. Um, in therapy, you learn to validate a person when they say something that's not in common. So, uh, what you're saying is that uh, in therapy, you the therapist acknowledges the person who's talking. To yeah, so the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's about acknowledging and then letting the getting over the first hurdle so that yeah. you can communicate. Yeah. yeah. So you don't just kind of constantly bump up against that. Yeah. Like the same thing again. Yeah. Uh, in acting, there's a technique called the Meissner technique. And what we, they do is two actors will stand in front of each other and just stream of consciousness, they'll just pick up a word and they'll throw it at the other person and say, you, and the other person repeats it and says, you, and then you, and you, and you, and you, and then something breaks in that exchange, and then it becomes another word, and it just gets them in the rhythm of being able to connect with each other, 
and play off each other. So when they go to do their dialogue, they're in harmony with each other. So it puts them in harmony with, it, with, it, with each other. And then they can move with each other, other and sort of do this sort of acting dance or a scene together. It's really a very um, sort of relationship building exercise. And it's just random. It's just random word comes out. And they can say it with softness, they can say it with hardness, they can say it with anger, and the other person can respond in the way that they feel that they can respond in that way. It's just about responding, doing the dance. It's a dance that they do. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Was that your other career? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I used to, um, uh, Saturdays I would spend with the Screen Actors Guild. I used to do workshops with them. So, yeah. So, yeah. I ran into Umar in the parking lot. I said, are you talking tonight? And, he's, and I don't really look at the emails or anything. I, I wasn't sure. I did see that your name came up sometime. And he said, I'm always talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, I was writing this and one of the things that came to me after I'd written this and I didn't write this down was that it's really about allowing than resisting. Because when we allow things to happen, you know, we can flow it as things are happening. When we start resisting, then it becomes a problem for us. So. And that's why I was using that actor analogy that it was just like they were allowing things to happen and it was just like letting things happen, letting the other person say, and it was just a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other questions or questions? Okay, I'll we'll stop the recording. Say hello to Les. Hmm? Say hello to Les. Hi, Les. Everybody's saying hello to you. <laughs> they asked me to say that. This talk was brought to you by the Canando Zen Meditation Center in Mountain View, California. For more information or to support this podcast, go to canando.org. That's K-A-N-N-O-N-D-O dot O-R-G.